Well, good morning, brother and sister and dear friends, and welcome again to the Word of God, I should say. A wonderful opportunity to come into your house and to preach to you through uh, the video recordings every Sunday. Now, we want to continue today in our study through the book of Mark or the Gospel of Mark. So Mark tells us who, G who Jesus is and why he comes. And over the past months and so on, we were following Jesus. And who better to walk with than Jesus and to learn from him? And we walked with him and there's various topics that we've touched, which is so powerful. And today we're going to come to a topic which I understand is very con controversial. The theme of today's message is the tricky question about divorce. We go through the Bible verse by verse. And that, my dear friend, allows me to speak about various topics. And this is specifically one of those. Because it's so controversial, you've got so many people who felt hurt by this, who gets really mad about this. So I want to ask you at the start of this message to listen the whole message out. Don't get mad in the beginning or halfway through, or even if you just hear the word divorce start to switch off because something hurt you or happened in your life. I want you to listen to the word of God today. So as mentioned, we were walking with Jesus and we're touching on a lot of things. And he's on his way back now to Jerusalem where he's going to die for our sins eventually. And the way that we walk with Jesus is we are doing it verse by verse. And, you know, the question might be, why do you do it verse by verse? Well, I want to go back to Isaiah chapter 28 and explain to you why we go through the Bible verse by verse before we tackle the topic about divorce. If you look in Isaiah chapter 28 verse 9, we find a really interesting passage here. In verse 9, somebody asks a question. And the question is this, whom will teach knowledge? That's the question that a group of people ask. And whom will he make to understand the message? Those just weaned from milk? Those just drawn from the breast? Question mark. Now the people who ask these questions is drunk prophets in Isaiah's day. And it's drunk teachers in Isaiah's day. They were drunk when they asked these questions to him. In fact, they were actually a little bit of arrogant and they were teasing Isaiah. They said to, them, to him in their drunkenness, Come on, Isaiah, the message that you're teaching, who's going to listen to it? I'll tell you it is. It's little babies. It is those who's just meaned from, from milk or those who's just drawn from their mother's breasts. Your message is for Sunday school people and for Sunday school children. And we see a lot of that happening today. If you start teaching the Word of God to people, and they are ignorant of it, the first thing they go, oh, this is Sunday school stuff, it's not for us. Now let's see how Isaiah answers them. In verse 10, for precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, and line upon line, here a little, and there a little. Now in verse 11, for with stumbling lips and another tongue, he will speak to this people. Now let me just quickly clarify this for you. This is not a scripture verse that supports that we need to speak to each other in tongues. This is not a support scripture verse for Acts chapter 2. By far not. If you put the scripture verse in context where it belongs and lives, which is this passage here, 
Then Isaiah says to them, if the message sounds so simple, and if you do not want to listen to the clear and simple message that little children will understand, and if you make fun of that, that God will use any other method as well, even, even with stumbling lips and another tongue. But the message of God will go out. This he spoke to these drunk prophets. Now, he then says the following in verse 12, To whom he said, This is the rest with which you may cause the weary to rest. Listen to that. He says this. What? Precept upon precept, line upon line, your Bible, the words of Jesus. How does the prophet say? He says it the following way. This is the rest with which you may cause the weary to rest. Man, I should just preach a whole sermon right now about those words. The weary to rest. Some people asked me, a, a, a man asked me recently about the rest of God. He says, you need to go into the rest of God. And I say, I'm already in the rest of God. Where is the rest of God? First of all, Jesus Christ is the rest of God. Secondly, His Word is the rest of God. Let me just say to you, if the weary come to you, the only rest you can give them is the Word of God. Now, before I go on a rabbit tail, let's continue. He says, you may cause the weary to rest. And this is the refreshing. What is the refreshing? The Word of God. He says this to those drunk, drunk prophets. This is the refreshing. Yet, what will happen? They will not hear. They will not hear. Verse 13. But the Word of the Lord was to them precept upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, here a little and there a little, that they might go and fall backward and be broken and snared and caught. Now again, just as a caveat here, this is not a proof for those people who lay hands on somebody and they fall backwards and say, ah, oh, but it is written in Isaiah that they might go and fall backward and be broken. You know, this is not a proof of that. This only tells us that this message, the refreshing message of the Word of God, the rest of the Word of God, which is right here, which I'm preaching right now, it is so that little children will understand it. Yes, you are correct, drunk prophets. The little children in Sunday school will understand it. But also so deep and complex that it will make professors and adults and grown intellectual people that they study it and cannot understand the depth thereof. And they will fall backward and be broken and be snared and caught. The Word of God is powerful and it's wonderful, my dear friend. And also so now that when we come to our topic about divorce, the tricky question about divorce. Now, let me just say, I do realize that people will be, uh, I realize there will be people that when I'm talking, who's gone through divorce, I realize this. And I know that you've gone through pain and I know that there's a lot of turmoil that happened in this and I don't know your circumstances and I don't, the first thing I don't want to do is you to get up a list of 
you know, reasons and all of these kind of things. This is not that message. In fact, I don't want to preach today and give some ammunition for people to hurt other people even more around this topic. This is not what it is. This is also not a guilt trip. I'm not preaching this to make you feel guilty if you have been divorced. I do not know your circumstances. And by far, I'm also not trying to preach today to answer your personal tricky situation. I'm not that person. The only one who understands your life is yourself and God. So this is not going to be coming to you. I know that there are some people who's got very strong views and opinions about divorce. And they want to use something that I'm going to preach today to push those opinions and so on forward to give them validity for that. This is not that. If you want to use this sermon for that, then I highly recommend you do not do that. Because this is not the purpose that I'm preaching this. And I know, again, that some of you might get mad. Please don't get mad at me, but get mad at God then because of His Word. So I do not want to jump into one camp against another camp. And I don't want to sit here and say, look, I condone or I'm against it and for it. All I'm going to do today is give you and teach you what the Bible says in a clear and direct manner as possible. Line by line, precept upon precept, here a little and there a little. So I just wanted to say this. And, and, you know, most of the things I say today, a lot of you might not agree with. And that is absolutely fine. Absolutely fine. I'm not asking you to agree with everything I say. All I will do is teach the Word of God. Now, when we approach a topic like this, and especially the topic about divorce, there are generally two tendencies that comes forward, generally I say. First, some people try to lower the biblical expectation or standard so that people will feel better about themselves. They will say, look, the Bible says this, but hey, look, it is different times, you know, it doesn't apply to you and me, and it doesn't apply what you've been through. So they, they would lower the Bible standard. They want to demonstrate some kind of love towards these people, and they don't want to see people get hurt. Now, that's not how we teach the Bible. But then there's maybe a second group of people who tend to go beyond what the Bible teaches, and they want to come in with a strong hand, and they might pick the sermon apart, and pick scripture verses apart in this, and go to punish other people, and call them up, and, and dare I say sometimes husband against wife, or wife against husband, say, did you hear what the pastor said, and, and this is so true, and you need to step in line, and this is not what that message is all about. But I know that these two schools are operating out there in the world. So let's come to our topic, the tricky question, because it is tricky, about divorce. And let's read the narrative now. We remember that in Mark last week, Jesus was just finishing talking about what causes the effects that could put you into hell, into the fire, the unquenchable fire, the hands, the feet, and the eyes. He was talking this in the group. Now, in Mark chapter 10, verse 1. Then he arose from there and came to the reason of Judea by the other side of the Jordan. And multitudes gathered to him again. And as he was accustomed, he taught them again. I love that about Jesus. He always grabs an opportunity to teach people. Now in verse 2, the Pharisees 
the Pharisees came and asked him, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife, testing him? It's important that you see the words there. They asked him this tricky question. And in verse 3, he answered and said to them, what did Moses command you? What did Moses say? They said, Moses permitted the man to write a certificate of divorce to the dismissal. Moses did write this. And Jesus answered and said to them, because of the hardness of your hearts, he wrote this precept. Because of that hardness of your hearts, he wrote this. But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. And the two shall become one flesh. And then they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no man separate it. Now, I want you to look at your Bible now. Point. Full stop. That is what he said to the crowd. That is what he said to the Pharisees. Then he walks away from them with his disciples. It's key here to see these things. Verse 10. In the house, not the Pharisees, his disciples. In the house, his disciples also asked him again about the same matter. So he said to them, not the Pharisees, not the crowds, whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery against her. And if a woman divorces her husband and marries another, she commits adultery. The Lord blessed the public reading of his word. And wherever this goes out, my prayer is that it will not come back void, but accomplish everything that the Lord has purposed it for. Now, if you look at the question here, in, in, uh, in Mark chapter 10, verse 2, the Pharisees ask him, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? I like it when, when and we're going to go now to Matthew, because he posed the question a little bit different. Mark leaves something out that Matthew puts in. And you may say, but wait a minute, is that contradicting what he says? No, it's not. If we think about this, Mark wasn't there to hear this with his own two ears. He listens to what Peter is telling him. But Matthew, the tax collector, was there that day. And he heard the words of Jesus firsthand. And this is how he puts the question in Matthew chapter 19, verse 3. He says the Pharisees also came to him, testing him. So Peter says to, to, to Mark, they were testing him. Matthew comes to you and me and say they were testing him. This was what he was all about. They came to him, testing him and say to him, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? That is where Mark stopped. But Matthew says, for just any reason. And I think this is key. For just any reason. He adds that little extra there. And he answered, Jesus answered and said to them, What did Moses command you? And again, they said, Moses permitted a man to write a certificate of divorce and to dismiss her. Now, why do I want to push out and bring out the word for just any reason? Because we need to understand something of the day in which this question was asked. And we will see the same debate, because there was a debate back in the day, is happening in our day. Back in the day when this question was asked, 
And remember, I go of the words, they tested him because they tested him because of the debate that was going on in those days. The center year, divorce was a very controversial topic even in Jesus' day. And there were two main schools of thought here, two main schools. The first was by a rabbi called uh, Shammai. Now, Rabbi Shammai, he taught about divorce and his view was very strict, but also unpopular. He was strict about divorce, but people didn't like that. But then there was another rabbi called Rabbi Hillel. And his teaching about divorce was very lax, very free, and it was very popular. And it's interesting that sometimes strict things that we need in our lives is not popular. But once you lax it, once you relax the rules, it becomes very popular. And there was this debate going on in Jesus' day about divorce. You know, uh, Shammai's group came up and they put all their points on the table and they, they discussed it. And then Hillel's group will come up and they would be more relaxed and people can go into these two schools. Now, the one thing that both these two schools had and the foundation of both of their views was written out of Deuteronomy chapter 24. And how do I know that? Because when Jesus asked him the question, what does Moses say? The Pharisees were straight away up to say, Moses said, it is fine as long as you give her a certificate of divorce. Where did that come from? It is the foundation of both schools of thought. It comes from Deuteronomy chapter 24 and from verse 1. Now, instead of just saying to you to go and read that verse, I want us to go there and to discuss the verse so that we can understand the dynamics of both these groups. So if you open up your Bible in Deuteronomy chapter 24 verse 1, we read about this certificate of divorce. Now let's read this. Deuteronomy 24 verse 1. When a man takes a wife and marries her, and it happens that she finds no favor in his eyes because he has found some uncleanness in her, and he writes a certificate of divorce. These are words. That's the connection. And if he writes a certificate of divorce, puts it in her hand and sends her out of his house, and when she has departed from his house and goes and becomes another man's wife, and you can read on, uh, you know, the rest of, of the chapter there. But out of these verses, this verses that I read to you, there is three main words that jumps up immediately into, into, uh, into my mind which I believe were the basis of the discussions between these two groups back in Jesus' day, Rabbi Shammai and Hillel. The first one is uncleanness. We need to understand what uncleanness means. And he says it there, some, if you find some uncleanness in her, and then no favor in his eyes. That's the next phrase that jumped out to me. You know, because he says that, and if it happens that she finds no favor in his eyes. And then the last one is the certificate of divorce. I just want to unpack this verse with those three concepts there, which I believe formed the basis of these two debates back in the day when Jesus was asked this question. Now, according to the verse that we just read, According to the verse, it was allowed and accepted back 
in Moses' day that you could divorce in Israel. And it looked like a simple process. Now, if I look at our day, and if I look at divorce, it has become such a cheap option for people, such a simple process. And it's been given to our children and to us when we grew up by Hollywood. And if you look at the movies that's going on to Hollywood screens, it is so easy, you know, flirtations around, uh, um, people sleeping around. And, and what about the stars? You find one Hollywood star and you hear in the newspapers all over because they're famous. Oh, so-and-so got married today. And oops, three months later, divorced. Nine months later, oh, they got married again. Six months later, divorced. And some of them has got a badge of honor of how many times they were married and divorced and married and divorced. And, mar and it sounds like it is a really easy, simple process. And it sounds as if when they ask Jesus the question, he says, well, Moses gave them a certificate of divorce. As long as you can just quickly write that certificate, A, will be okay. That's not so. That's not so. You see, when we look at the word for divorce here, it comes from the Hebrew word karitooth. Now it sounds like pulling teeth. Now that's not the meaning of the word, but it sounds like that. Karitooth. Karitooth means to pull something apart. In fact, to hewn, to cut something off. It means to amputate something. Now, it means to amputate something from your flesh, from your body. That's the correct meaning of the word. tooth. Now, certificate of divorce. The certificate writes about amputating something from your body. Think about your body today. How difficult is it to amputate your hand, your foot, your ear? It is a painful process. If I say to you, I want to amputate your hand today, there's a lot of things that's going through your mind. The first thing that will go off in your mind is you're against it. Why would you want to cut off my hand? It's going to be a painful process. What is it going to be after? How am I going to live without my hand? This is how complex the words divorce is. Kyrie tooth. It is an amputation of something that's been part of you. And when you amputate it, it leaves a scar. It leaves memory. I've heard about people, you know, soldiers who's lost their legs in the war. And I've read up once about a soldier. He said he's lost his whole leg up to the top. And he says that some days he can feel an itch in his right foot. But his foot is not there anymore. It's muscle memory in the brain. And this is what this whole thing about is. tooth. divorce means an amputation of something. And there is consequences packed into this. This is why it is such a tricky question. And this is why I want to say it's not easy. It's not as easy as just putting a piece of paper in somebody's hand. But let's look at the first word that stood out to us in Deuteronomy 24. And that's the word uncleanness. Remember what he says, if the, if the wife finds, or finds no favor in the man's eyes because of uncleanness. Now, these two schools, remember Rabbi Shammai, who, had, who was strict on it and was unpopular view. He believed that this uncleanness, which is written up here in Deuteronomy, he believed that was a sexual immorality. That's what he believed. 
He read the scripture verses and remember, I believe it formed the basis of these two schools and his basis of being strict about it. He says it could only happen. The valid reason for this divorce is because of sexual immorality. And we will address that. Well, Rabbi Hillel looked at the same word and he says, no, no, that's not how strict and how it was. This means any sort of indiscretion, any sort doesn't have to be only sexual immorality. And, and it could be, you know, your wife made coffee in the morning and the temperature of the coffee is not right. Uh, it could be the toast was burned. It could be she didn't make the bed properly. It could be, you know, she didn't wash the clothes properly. She, she didn't make you laugh. You think it is silly, but that is what it was. That was the reasoning of Hillel, of Rabbi Hillel. He says it, it wasn't this really thing. It was more laxed. And it was a very popular view. Why? Because if your wife don't obey you, you can just give a certificate and get somebody to obey you. And this is the big thing that they was against. This is the two schools of thought that was against each other. So this is what they, the two schools thought. So what is this uncleanness then? I mean, we need to find the answer. Then we need to go to the source of truth. And who is the source of truth other than Jesus Christ himself? Why? Because he created everything, remember? But now he's on the earth and now he walks amongst us and he's going to say something very telling about what uncleanness means. Jesus Christ himself. We find the answer again in Matthew. Remember, Matthew is a first person listener. He was there when Jesus spoke. Matthew 19 verse 9. And I, I believe this is when they were in the house away from the crowds that Jesus said these words. Matthew 19.9, he says, And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife, Hebrew word, kairi, tooth, amputate, cut off, lean off, whoever divorces his wife, except for sexual immorality. There we go. Except for sexual immorality and marries another commits adultery and whoever marries her who is divorced commits adultery. That's clear as daylight. And it's not as if Jesus was finding or, you know, going into the school of Rabbi Shammai. It's not as if he's saying Shammai is right and Hillel is wrong, though you and I think, I think we know which one we would choose. It's not as if he did that. He was before Rabbi Shammai. He was in the Old Testament. This is what God put in place. So it's sexual immorality. Now, what does sexual immorality mean here? It comes from the Greek word. Because, you know, if you think about sexual immorality, what does it entail? It comes from the Greek word porneia. Now, the Greek word porneia is where we find your English word porn from. And you and I know what porn is. It is explicit, naked scenes of men and women. And the internet is rife of that. And the attack of these people is not only for men and women now, because it's men and women who's, who's conducting on this, but he's attacking the 11-year-olds now, the 10-year-olds, your children, because they know if they capture the mind of your children, they've got them forever. But that's a different message. What I want to come to is this word that he uses here, Jesus. He says, let me put the word in context for you. And whoever divorces, uh, I say to you, whoever divorces his wife, except for pornaya. Pornaya is the sexual act, but not only the sexual act. It is also the visual act. 
It is everything associated with that outside of marriage. This is important. Because somebody can say, you know, I've had a fling with somebody or an affair with somebody, but hey, we didn't touch each other. But I might have seen a little bit of him and she might have seen... Uh, it doesn't matter. Sexual immorality. The word says it itself. And this is what Jesus says is, in fact, the only reason given. It covers a wide span of sexu uh, sexual indiscretion. But secondly, let's look at this word now, no favor in his eyes. Because, yeah, you can say, look, Rabbi Shammai, you're right, you know, sexual immorality and so on. But wait a minute. Now that we digest the verse, Rabbi Hillel might say, but what about this passage where he says, find no favor? Does that mean, you know, she didn't cook for me well, the food wasn't well prepared, the coffee, the what does that mean? Well, that is connected to the word sexual immorality. That is connected to the word uncleanness. It doesn't sit apart. This means, in fact, when this thing happened, you can give her a certificate of divorce and send her out. But, you know, and I've often found this when we counseled some people who went through these difficult things, that it's always the memories that's there. And you see, this is now the point where this favor is gone. The trust in the marriage is gone. And now because of that uncleanness, there is no favor in the eyes of the husband. And, and let me just say, it's not husbands, men, you're not off here. Because I know for a fact that men who's in marriages can also conduct in this thing outside of marriage. So this scripture speaks to both sides, although it is written here to divorce the wife. But here he talks about that. Now, let me just also say at this particular point, it's not a must that he has to. The Bible doesn't say there. When Moses wrote this, because of the hardness of the heart, he didn't say, when uncleanness happened, you must give her this. No, no. He says, if there is no favor in your eyes now, now after it's come to light, and after everybody knows it's happened, and there's forgiveness happening, and I've seen it. I've personally counseled people, me and my wife, who this has happened in their marriage and it came to the fore and there was a lot of tears and there was a lot of forgiving and there was, you know, coming to Christ. And I've seen it with my own eyes where the wife again found favor for the husband in her eyes. How beautiful is that? That's a better end result than a certificate of divorce. I've seen it in another couple we've, we've counseled where the, the wife found favor in her husband's eyes again. So the first point of God, uh, point is to find favor again. Let me say it clear. Don't rush to the certificate of divorce. Rush to find favor again. That's what I would say. But then again, the third thing that stood out in that verse is the certificate of divorce. And it looks to me that reading even in the Old Testament, that the Lord wanted this to be a legal process. So the only thing that can, can substantiate or qualify your divorce is a legal process. Why would it be a legal process? So that it doesn't become cheap as it is in our day. And let me say that even the legal process these days has become cheap. It was never, never meant to be so cheap. And I will explain it in the next part now. Now let's look at the narrative again. 
Okay, let's go back to Mark chapter 10 verse 2. And the Pharisees came to them and you say, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? But now I want you to see the next word, testing him. They were testing him. They were putting him to the, to, to the vote, if you want to put it that way. And why, how do I know that they test him? It's because of these two schools that was there. This debate going on. You see, they wanted to see that if Jesus speaks against Moses, against him, then he would speak against uh, uh, Rabbi Shammai, who's the street, who says that uncleanness is sexual immorality. Or if he, if he, if he doesn't, then he's going to be against the popular view of Rabbi Hillel. Oh man, but I love Jesus' answer. And I'm going to take you slowly through that because it really excites me. They come to him and they test him and they say, what? And he said to them, what did Moses command you? Remember? And they said, Moses permitted it, you know, but Moses said, it's fine. And I already went through the whole basis of all why they are throwing this out so quickly, so quickly. You know, Moses said this, come on, Jesus, what you're on the, on the spot now. We're going to cut you out now. Not my Jesus. In verse 5, and Jesus answered them and said to them, Because, <laughs> there's a reason why Moses did what he did. Because of the hardness of your heart, he wrote this report or this decree. He put it out there. Your hearts are hardened. He put this decree out, Moses. And I love the next word now. In verse 6, he says, but. What does the word but mean? It means a sharp contrast. Moses did this, but. Sharp contrast. From the beginning of creation, and I love this, Moses wasn't in the beginning of creation. This supersedes what Moses did. Moses came to one point and he dealt with something which was in front of them, and the hardness of their heart allowed Moses, or Moses wrote this decree for them. But from the beginning, which outcounts Moses even further, and the only one who was there was Jesus himself and two other people who, but from the beginning of creation, God, you hang on to Moses. You say you Pharisees, you believe in God. Now you throw Moses in front of us to take side between these two schools. Let me give you God. God made them male and female. Who were they? Adam and Eve. And for this reason, man shall leave his wife and uh, father and mother and be joined to his wife. And the two of them shall become one flesh. So then they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no man separate it. Now, let me just put it to you. Kairi tooth, the certificate of Kairi tooth to amputate it. Jesus is very clever. He goes back to this and he says, and I'm going to come to the plan of, of, of marriage here. He gives them the plan of marriage. But he says to them that two will become one flesh. Do you see in your Bible he uses the word flesh? He says two become one flesh. And they shall no longer be two be but one flesh. He repeats the word one flesh twice. Now I know that whenever Jesus repeats something then it's important. He wants to, to lay in the mind of everybody who hears this conversation with the Pharisees, this concept. 
that two had become one. Now, I know physically we can't become one. You know, I can't jump on your back and live there. We are still two. But there's a spiritual connotation that happens here. And the two become one. And the only way that you're going to get the two separate is Kyrie tooth. You have to amputate. You have to hone it off. And when you amputate something, I'm coming back to what I said it's going to be painful, it's going to leave marks, scars, and there's going to be muscle memory. It is not a good thing. So that's the first point here. Wasn't God's idea. It was because of the hardness of the heart. So what God has joined together, um, let no man separate it. But brilliantly, He gives them the plan for marriage. Because the, if you understand the plan for marriage, you will understand the oneness. I'll say it again. If you understand the plan for marriage, which I'm going to give you three points now, you will understand the oneness. And what is the plan for marriage? First of all, he made them male and female. Okay. Then he says, leave parents. He who leaves his father and mother. So what does he mean? He means that the family unit is sitting here. And within the family unit, you've got a mom and a dad. And the purpose for marriage is to, to have children. When you get a child within this family unit, they will look after emotionally, physically, spiritually. Everything happened in the family unit. Baby is born, baby grows up, baby learns from mom, baby learns from dad. Baby sees dad spiritually. Baby sees mom spiritually. He starts to walk. He runs around. Mom, dad says, don't do that. Do this, do that, do this. Then they become older and they want to tell us what to do and not to do. That happens. That's normal. But everything is in that emotional place, which is called the family. The devil's attack is against the family. We see a lot of that today. But now, what happens now? Jesus says, now baby grows up to be a young beautiful woman and what happens now she sees another family unit and and out of that family unit a young man grow up and these two see each other they like each other uh, courtship take place they come together in marriage now what happens jesus says the plan for marriage is that you leave husband that you leave what does it mean you leave emotionally it doesn't mean you turn your back in your family it doesn't mean you don't talk to them anymore no, that's, that's, that's all, you know, on top. No, deeper down, what you do is you leave emotionally. And what happens when you leave? You don't turn back for the emotional support there because that comes now from your spouse. Because the second plan for marriage is join, cleave, cleave. Cleave means, now let me just say this. When you leave, you leave 100% in these things, emotional, physical, and spiritual. You leave totally, not 50%. This means, and I've seen this so many times, you know, I've left, I'm in marriage now, but mom or dad has got a big say in this marriage now. Oh, you still got to do that. No, no. These two need to come together and support each other. Okay? Mom and dad has got an influence on the marriage and they say what you do with the children. They say how you live your life. That's, that doesn't work. It does not work. These two comes together in a new unit form now because it's one. And in this you find emotional, you find physical, and you find spiritual support. That's the cleave part of this. And then 
they shall become one flesh. Now, obviously, that talks about a sexual relationship between a husband and a wife, but also emotional and also physical, which is that part, but also a spiritual. That's the plan. Now, why did Jesus do this so brilliantly? After that, go and read in your Bible. After he gives them the plan, he says to them, they become one flesh twice. And then what God has put together, no man. The only way if you want to do that is carry tooth. You have to cut it off. Now, if you relied on somebody emotional, spiritual and physical, and it's cut off, it's going to leave scars. And we see that. And it's going to leave muscle memory. You're going to come back to the old memories again. So Jesus' answer is so powerful and so wonderful. Now, let's finish this morning. We see now in verse 10. Now, this is important. Remember, when we started off, I made a point of saying he spoke to the crowds and now they walked away. Let's come to the walk away part now. Because in Mark chapter 10, verse 10, in the house, his disciples also asked him. So no more Pharisees. No more crowds. Now it's more personal. They come to him. They say, Jesus, we want to just unpack it a little bit more. We understand now the answer. That's so powerful and so poignant. So, but they ask him the question again. And he said to them in verse 11, Whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery against her. And if a woman divorces her husband and marries another, she commits adultery. That's not a good thing. So he speaks to them privately in a small group. Why? Why do I make an emphasis on this? Because what Jesus said there, if he said it to the crowd, they would have gone crazy. And it's so today. The people do not want to hear this. The world don't. And in fact, let me say, the world's not ready to hear what we just read in those two verses. Because if you're going to go to your friends now and you go out and you pick up, and this is what I see happen. So this is why I warned at the beginning of this message. Do not fall into the school to try to use my words now to attack somebody who is divorced, who is going through a divorce or anything. Because what you will do, mark my words, is you will use these words here in verse 10, 11, and 12 and you will call up somebody and say oh it is written in the bible now that person might not be a believer that person might might be fallen back i don't know the circumstances this is the reaction you're going to get i'm warning you right now this is the reaction they're going to get mad at you and the point i want to make to you now is verse 10 was spoken to his disciples his disciples has walked with him now for a long time, who understand spiritual things. This is what Paul warns in the book of Corinthians. He says the natural man cannot understand the things of the spirit. The spiritual man can. If you're going to call somebody up from verse 10 onwards, you're going to enrage them if they are not believers. And even if they do go through difficult times and they are Christians, you're only going to use it as a weapon. And God never made the word of God to be a weapon. Be careful. He writes this. He says this to his disciples. And it is so true. We're not, we're not compromising here. I'm by far not compromising. I'm by far not watering it down. I'm not in the school of Hillel. No, no. He says it straight there. Whoever divorces his wife. And let me just put the word man in there. 
another com- uh, uh, wife and marries another commits adultery against her. And if a woman divorces her husband, marries another, commits adultery. Now, let me finish by saying this. You know, we've counseled a lot of people during our lives who went through this, and I've preached about divorce before. It's not my first time. And I've, I've had some backlash about divorce. That's fine, as long as I preach the Word of God and not my thoughts and my opinions. Now, here is the thing. We did go through. We had a couple once come to us. And you see, when they were younger, she was divorced and he was divorced. They came together and they married And they married for many, many years now. And they've got children out of that marriage. And they came to me and said, but it says there in that verse that, you know, if if I remarry, I have adultery against her. Again, brother and sister, dear friend, I'm not here to answer the tricky questions. It's not my word. But this is what I understand and what I said to them. They came to the Lord after that. They got born again after that. In fact, in that time, they got born again. And they started growing in the Word of God and raising their family in the, in the ways of the Lord. I'm by far not saying that every single day they're committing adultery. I'm by far not saying they need to separate now. You see how complex this is. All I'm holding on to is what Jesus was teaching these people because they came asking it testingly. So may the Lord bless you today and I pray that He would have spoken to you uh, on this very tricky topic which is divorce. Heavenly Father, we pray and we thank you, Lord, for your word, which is sharper than to its sword. And Father, we thank you that your word cuts between bone and marrow, spirit and soul, and is the discerner of your heart. I also thank you, Lord, that your word will not go out void, but it will accomplish everything you'll think that it's purpose for. Father, I pray for our families. I pray for our marriages, Lord. Protect us, Lord. The attack against marriages is very severe. The enemy knows that if you can break the families down, he wins a nation. And Father, I just pray that you will protect us in Jesus' name. Amen.